Well, I hope you all are ready today for what the Lord has, has given me. Um, we started a couple of weeks ago, and, and we got um, sidetracked by the best Easter service we've ever had. And uh, <laughs> so uh, anyway, thank you all so very much for staying connected. I just want to remind you that one of the reasons that we do um, what we do in the way that I believe God has called us to present His Word is to allow each service to stand by itself, but also let each service build upon what the others bring in. And so you don't, you don't necessarily always just miss the, the big plan. If you miss a service, you can go back and get it. But, but also, um, you, you're just trying to, to get God's understanding through faith. And that's what we talked about. We're talking about walking in God's awesome future today. How do we get to that place where what God said in His Word, what He promised us through His Word, that we will walk in? And we we talked two weeks ago about the peril of understanding before faith. And the idea behind a peril is the possibility or the exposing to danger, to hazard, or to risk. We have to get our understanding on the right side of our faith. So if we can't have faith for healing until we understand how healing works, we'll never have faith for healing. Yeah, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 3, by faith we understand that God created the worlds so that what we see came out of nothing. There it is. There's your scripture right there. We understand by faith. So I would say, by faith we understand. Remember, understanding doesn't bring faith. If you read all the books that are out there and you've got all those things, that doesn't bring faith. Faith is a gift from God. Faith brings understanding. So we don't, we don't um, have, have understanding the way that this verse talks about it in most of our life because we spend time trying to reconcile in our minds what we don't know about how something happens. And so we spend an enormous amount of time trying to get the understanding, thinking that if we get the understanding, we'll get the thing that we're believing for. And yet, it isn't the way the Bible says it works. So we talked two weeks ago about these perils, and I gave you four of them. I only taught three of them. But to get your mind working in the right direction, let me just quickly take you through this process again of understanding and faith. Again, we want our faith to be in front of our understanding. If you have understanding first, you will not depend on faith. Right? If you came into my office and sat in one of my chairs and sat one time in one of my chairs, and it held you up, you would come into my office and not think anything about sitting in that chair again because you have understanding. You need no faith after you have natural understanding. You won't, you won't trust your faith. You'll go back to your natural understanding. So you actually have understanding. Says, well, if I, if I pray, this happens. If I pray enough, nothing bad ever happens. That's your understanding, and your understanding got in front of your faith. When your faith is there, you understand by that faith. Faith brings that understanding that without respect to what you go through, God will carry you. In fact, you know, you've all seen that little, that little poem, you know, the footprints in the sand thing. Have you ever seen that poem? You know, and there's only one set. You notice that it says footprints and not sit prints? 
He's not, he's not waiting for you to sit down and your understanding and go, well, i got it figured out now. No, keep walking. And when there's only one set of prints, you didn't understand exactly right, but Jesus was carrying you. You go through some stuff where Jesus carries us. And that's a good thing, people of God. You say, well, you know, bless God, I'm going to read this book. And if I read this book and listen to these CDs and stand on my head in the corner, I'll get all the stuff God has for me. Because I understand that's how it works. If I come to church, I'll get to go to heaven because I understand how it works. That's not how it works. Right? It's not what we do that gets us to heaven. It's what's already been done. So we looked at Hebrews chapter 11. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God so that things which are seen are not made out of things which are visible. He made by faith the things that we see out of invisible stuff. It's a great trick, but you'll never understand it. I don't understand how God can mold one body in the body of Adam, cause Adam to go asleep, take part of him out, make a woman, by the way, he uses a different language or a different word to, to create women, get those two people together, they produce an offspring by the help of the Lord. Genesis chapter 4 says, Eve said, I've received a man-child from the Lord. She, they, had a, they had a child. And you look around this room, and you are a product of that process. And I don't understand how God made some of you so different. Some of y'all are weird. Because when we do that in our natural understanding, guess who the standard is? Why do you think somebody is weird? Because they're not like you. Come on. When they're not like you, they're weird. I have a friend who loves all things gooey sauce-wise. He loves mayonnaise. He is really weird. I don't want any mayonnaise. Don't put mayonnaise on my stuff. I don't like it. Even when my mother was, when I was growing up, my mother was always trying to sneak it past me. I've never liked it. Probably never going to. And that's normal. I don't know why there's so many jars of mayonnaise in the grocery store. I don't know who buys it. Right? I don't know who buys bad, bad canned vegetables. I don't know who buys that stuff. You understand that when you're the standard, your understanding has gotten in front of your faith. Amen. Point number two, here's your, here's your quote for that. When intellect and understanding attack my faith... When intellect and understanding attack my faith, I know the wrong things. When intellect and understanding attack my faith, I know the wrong things. See, your understanding, your knowledge. The Bible says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If you just think about this, He's not changing. He's just not. And so whatever He's done, that's what He's doing. And when your understanding has to be in front of your faith like that, you'll actually have your, your understanding attack your faith. Well, how could you believe that way? How could you stand? I've actually had good-hearted Christian people tell me that what they believe God had called me to do can't be done. And they interrupted my doing of it to tell me so. Don't interrupt what I'm doing to tell me that it can't be done. See, your understanding of what can be done is not at play here. 
Jesus' understanding by faith is what we're operating with. Peril number two, seeking things through worry. If your understanding is wrong, it will create worry. If your understanding is wrong, it'll create worry. There is such a spirit of competition and comparison in our world today that people worry when they don't look and have the kinds of things that other people have. Now, I'm old enough to remember when an 800-square-foot house was a big house. Two bedrooms, one bathroom, everybody got a share. Kitchen. And a stove, either a pot-bellied stove in the corner or in my grandpa's house, a single furnace in the crawl space underneath there with a big old grate about four foot square in the middle of the room. And you better be warm when you go to bed because it don't make it back there. That was completely normal. And now every room has its own thermostat. And if you don't have a thermostat in your room, you feel like you're missing out. And we begin to set standards by understanding. I've told this story before, but I was preaching in a foreign country and the pastor asked to see our church and he saw these chairs, these very chairs that you sit in. And his only response to me was, how do you keep people awake? I can tell you are not falling asleep in his church because the chairs are made out of stumps that have been cut into two and a half feet pieces. You haven't lived till you've been in a third world country and a stump is comfortable. That's why they have half time at churches. Third world countries. They're going on, man, they sing for a long time. You know how boring it is when you don't know what they're singing? When you get your understanding in front of your faith, you can't even by faith join with what they're doing because you don't understand the words. I was thrilled when I understood the tune. I knew the song they were singing. I didn't know a single word in there, but I knew the song they were singing. And that's when God taught me about keeping my faith in front of my understanding. Just because the words aren't understandable doesn't mean you can't worship. When things are going on in our church up here, and, and, you know, and there's always a struggle. We're praying for people over here, and we're praying for people here, and we're praying for people over there. And, and it's, it's kind of like having a bunch of looky-loos in the church. They're like, well, who's getting prayed for and what's happening? And you disconnect because your understanding says, well, not everybody's doing the same thing. There's a peril in that, and it creates a worry. Here's what the worry sounds like. What will people think? What will people think? And so we looked at Matthew chapter 6. And, and, you know, the Bible tells us in these things, verse number um, 27, it says, Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? Which of you by worrying? See, he's saying, listen, all that worrying you do, how does it add anything to you? And so wrong understanding will create worry. So here's your quote. Worry does not add anything to you. Or empty your tomorrow of adversity. It only empties today of the strength God gives you to go through His settled Word. The Bible says in Psalms 119, verse 89, Thy Word, O Lord, is forever settled in heaven. That's how we live. We live through a settled Word. Peril number three was walking by sight. What we see 
produces a wrong understanding that can oftentimes produce worry that will lead us away from faith before understanding. That's how these things connect. And so when you walk by sight, you'll actually set yourself up for failure. Because what God wants to do is to do things through faith. He says now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. If your understanding says I've got to see these things, then you pick your understanding up, you set it over here in front of your faith and you cannot walk by faith because you have to walk by sight or by understanding. That's what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Notice that it says, for we walk by faith, not by sight. We are to walk by faith seeing the invisible to deal with the visible. Let me say that to you again. Seeing the invisible to deal with the visible. What's happening in your life is very much real. If you move your understanding over here, let's say that your understanding in, in, in your world says, I need to make more money. And so what you decide to do is get you a side hustle which takes you away from the very thing that God called you to do, which is go to church. And so you work seven days a week. And so the very thing that God designed to keep you healthy and functioning in the things you can see, you quit doing. And having been experienced at this, when you get a side hustle that takes you away from what God has you to do, you won't have God's wisdom to handle it right. And so when the side hustle is over, you won't likely be in any better shape than you were when you went into it. Because you will have missed out on the invisible stuff that God does. See, it takes something to walk by faith. Here's your quote. When we need to see before believing... We set ourselves up to be sight-led. We will only do what we can see and what we can understand. See, that's why people, when they struggle with health and healing, they'll, they'll go to the doctor and the doctor will say to them, well, now we've got to do this. They may be right that they've got to do this. But if you don't pray that through, you'll do whatever they say. And so the only way you can see yourself whole is to do what man says. Do you get it? Without faith, you can't walk in what you don't understand. And so sometimes what God asks us to do, He says, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. He says, this battle's not up to you. Watch what I do. There's not a single person in Joshua's parade that walked around that town, Jericho, on the final day six times, not a single person that expected those walls to disappear. But they knew what to do when they did. See, their instruction was, walk in when the walls are gone. The Bible uses a word that says the walls sunk into the sand. I don't know how that happens. I don't understand that. To this day, there's no real archaeological history for all of that. It fell into the sand. And he says, now walk straight across there and take possession of what I've called you to take possession of. I just want to tell you something. If you're on the inside of the wall and the wall disappears, you might be a little dumbstruck. And the people who are opposed to you might walk in there and take your stuff. 
which is what happened. And I'm sorry, I know the Old Testament can be kind of bloody and gory, but I'm just telling you right now, God set that up. Why? Because he wanted them to understand what it meant to walk by, by, by faith, not by sight. Well, I have to see how I can do this. Nope, you don't. Peril number four. Now remember, a peril is that position of danger, the possibility of danger that's presented to you when you don't function in the way that God wants you to function. God wants us to function in His precepts. A precept is literally how God designs for things to work. So all of you being good Christian people have spent time in your life confessing, sometimes publicly and sometimes corporately, the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven. But we don't spend any time gaining faith about where our Father lives. See, we spend time complaining about where our Father lives. You forgot to exchange fathers. If your eyes are on your natural father and you can't connect with your heavenly father, you miss the opportunity to make an exchange. That's a precept. That's how God intends for things to work. Our Father's heart in heaven, hallowed or praised above all else is your name. If you don't spend some time there developing faith that the name of God, the name of Jesus Christ is above everything else, then you'll put things above the name of God. And on and on it goes, where until you get to the place where it says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And the first thing we say is, well, I don't know how that happens. Let me tell you how it happens. There's a Holy Ghost portal. Just like in the movies. (laughs) No, there's not. You understand that when the Holy Ghost came to earth to live in you, He brought heaven with Him. He didn't say, wait for it to be poured out. He said, once it's poured out, you're going to live in it. Amen. So here's the peril. Number four. The peril is not living in the paid for. Not living in the paid for. Here's the struggle that we have. Wrong understanding of who our God is, makes everything that He's done cost. Oh yes, He'll save you for free, but He'll charge you for everything else that you face. And if you don't pray right, He's not doing His stuff. If you don't give, He's not doing His stuff. If you don't act right, He's not doing His stuff. And every bit of wrong understanding tells us that we are the center of what God is doing. If we don't do, He won't do. Let me just point out to you that the Lord's Prayer has one of those statements in it. Now, I don't want to get too theological with you here, but do you all understand the difference between when the Lord's Prayer was spoken as instruction and when Jesus died to change the instruction? When Jesus was crucified, all of the things that came from the law, right... If you don't live right in the law, we got to get us a lamb, we got to get us a goat, we got to sh- we got to we got to kill one of them, we got to put some of the blood on the back of the goat, we got to chase him out into the wilderness. He's called a scapegoat and our sins are forgiven. When Jesus came sh- and 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 shed his own blood, that changed everything completely. God does not forgive us now based on how we forgive others. 
God does not forgive us now based on how we forgive others. See, the Lord's Prayer says, and forgive us our debts as we forgive those. Forgive us our trespasses. We forgive those who trespass against us. That's pre-ascension. When Jesus went to heaven, he took the blood and said, listen, these people, forgive me how I do this. I don't think Jesus talks this way, but he talks this way to me. He says, these people aren't smart enough. I'm going to have to cover everything for them. Because we won't forgive the people that we don't like. We won't forgive the people that we believe have done something too serious. And yet the Lord's Prayer says, and forgive them, forgive their trespasses as I forget, you know, that's works. Can I point out to you that when you don't live in a paid-for world, you actually think you can hold somebody's sin. It's been redeemed by Jesus Christ. The only pain that you get out of being unforgiving is the pain that lands on you. Well, they don't deserve forgiveness. And neither did I, by the way, when that all went down. And yet Jesus, before I ever knew I needed it, died for me. While I was yet a sinner, Christ died for me. The sacrifice that Jesus did was in full knowledge of what we would need. That's the paid-for world. Are you tracking with me? Because if you don't get this, what you'll say is, well, you know, if I don't go to church, I love it when you come to church. It makes me feel really great when you're here, honest. But God isn't keeping track of that. Because if you come to church for something, but you live on Monday as if you've never been to church, then the church thing didn't do you any good. We have to do the paid-for work of Jesus Christ. I don't approach you guys with what I know about you. I've been here 23 years. I know some stuff about some of y'all. Okay? Some of you need to get your stuff fixed. You need to quit leading with your stuff. Some of you are playing pretend. You put on your Sunday clothes as if it covers up your Monday bad stuff. I'm here to tell you that unless you accept the work of Jesus Christ, the paid-for position that Jesus did, you will try to earn it, and it won't work. It will not work. Notice, if you would, please, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Notice this passage, verse number 19 and 20. It says, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Don't you know that? You say, wait a minute. Are you saying to me that when I do the bad stuff, God doesn't run off for just a second while I'm doing that? Nope, He's right there with you. The Bible tells us that He'll never leave us nor forsake us. It means He's not taken off and He's never stopping thinking about us. He says, don't you know that? You're the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own. One of the greatest misconceptions of living in this world is that we have options. You're not yours. Now, you can say, well, I do have options. Yeah, you have options. You can be disobedient to God owning you. Look up 20, put the 20th verse up for me, would you please, Paul? For you were bought with a price... 
God didn't put you on the layaway plan. He bought you full out on the day Jesus went to the cross. You were bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God. Literally live in the weighty, awesome presence of God in your body. Boy, that's a good one. Live there in your body. God made us so that we could in our bodies represent Him. And when people just say, well, you don't understand, Pastor. I'm just a dirty old sinner. Listen, you're a fool. You are not. If Jesus died for you, you've been transformed. Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. And it's not the temple when you get your life together. He doesn't stay out until you're perfect. Because when you think you're perfect, the fact that you think you're perfect makes you imperfect. Prideful thing, you. So glorify God in your bodies and in your spirit, which are God's. See, we are purchased by Him. We live in a paid-for world. We must raise our eyes to the level of what Jesus paid for, not just what you can presently understand and see. You must raise your eyes to the level of what Jesus paid for. Your stuff, whatever you're going through, whatever difficulty you have has been paid for already by Jesus Christ. All He's asking you to do is to cooperate with the plan that He put in front of you. Well, what's the plan, Pastor? To recognize He paid for it. See, if you try to live in your body outside the glory of God, you'll live as if you owe God something. So you'll continually be trying to pay Him back. And so when that comes up, you'll say, but God, I, I've done this as a pastor, but God, I've served you for over 40 years in full-time ministry. Um, God's not keeping track of that. He's keeping track of what Jesus did, not what you did. And whatever you do pales in comparison to what He did for you. We have to learn how to live in the paid for. And I'm telling you what, when my kids were little, Grandma and Grandpa had a restaurant in Ray, Big Red's. My kids would go in there, and I had to educate them a little bit, because when they walked in there, they knew that it was okay for them to go to the candy rack and take whatever they want. And then they'd take it back to Grandma, they'd hold it up like this and say, can I have this? And what was her answer? Yes. Now, you can't do that unless it's Grandma's restaurant. See, you can't just steal a Snickers bar, because it's right there at the level of the kids. Right? you got to operate in what the paid for is. My, my, my kids would go to the back of the restaurant, and the whole world would stop. And they'd go into the, into the freezer, into the refrigerator, and they wanted whatever they wanted. And so they'd go in there and say, Grandma, Grandpa, can we cook this? Yeah. What would you like to go along with it? And they just stopped the whole world. Why? Because it was paid for. Now, that's a human thing, but we live, we live in God as if we've got to put the quarter in to open the door. When Tracy and I were in Fiji, I, it, it cost a, a dollar Fijian to rent the toilet paper. Yeah, see, you're having the same problem I'm having. <laughs> There's a security guard in the hallway at a desk looking very official. 
And when you walk up to him, you give him a buck. And he gives you a roll of toilet paper. And when you come out, you give him the roll of toilet paper back. So you actually weren't buying it for a dollar. You were renting its use. You were never going to own that toilet paper. And why does toilet paper need a security guard? You understand, that's how we live with God. Well, i got to pay him for this, and he's going to want it back. God gives me a little bit of grace on this particular day, but he's going to want it back. No, he's not. He's paid for. Paid, through, paid for through Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. This is the meat of my message this morning. But I want you to pay attention. Notice in verse number 12 of 1 Corinthians. Look at the language. Now we have received... If you'll pay attention to this, the Bible will tell you what you have. It says, we've received. But look what he says. Not the spirit of the world. This is the most awesome verse of comparison. The world says, if God's going to bless you, you have to deserve it. You have to live just right. And we know you can't live just right. And so God won't bless you because you don't live right. Why don't we live right? Because we don't agree with them. But the Spirit who is from God. See, we were bought with a price. The Spirit of God lives in us. He says, we've received not the Spirit of the world, which puts a price tag on everything, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. Can I point out to you that the Spirit of God living in you has a job to reveal to you all the free stuff? I love that. Come on, how many of you have ever been in a Costco or a Sam's Club on a particular weekend when every end cap has some, you know, 75-year-old geriatric man or woman who's giving something away? Right? They're cooking something. They got, they got chips. You know, they got, they got, you know, candied nuts and they got yogurt. And I just want to tell you, at the right time, at Sam's, you can get all the free stuff you need. But if you go to where that stuff lives and open it yourself, it's no longer free. But you see, what God wants you to figure out is, this is not a sample at the end cap at Sam's Club. This is the full meal that God provided for you through Jesus Christ, and it's always free. It's always free. You say, well, I just don't believe it's free. That's why you live short of it. See, that's why he said, I, I, just, I just so appreciated watching my children with their, with their grandparents because they acted as if grandma and grandpa wanted to give them stuff. And as a parent, I kept looking at them going, don't do that. I mean, come on, parents. How many of you ever looked at your grandparents and go, don't do that? Right? And then you become a grandparent. I raised you, and I will give your children a candy bar if I choose. And they say, don't do that. I said, stop talking. <laughs> Why? Because it's free. It's free. Man, I love the idea of that. I just love the idea that everything's paid for. And I only have human examples to try and get it across to you. But don't you find it interesting that the Holy Spirit is supposed to be showing you the things that are freely given to you by God? I'm telling you what, this is like shopping at Costco and never paying. 
You say, well, I can't believe you're using that example. Well, you pick an example of all the free stuff that God's given you. Because right now we're living short of what God has given us. Right? How many of you are living in the fullness of the free stuff? You think you are? I'm not. I find, I find free stuff. Now I'm going to say it differently, but I'm going to say it this way first. I find free stuff every week. And that God points it out to me that he's the one whose job it is to show me the free stuff. I go, thanks, God. See, you can't even find it by yourself. Right? What's the Holy Spirit do? He shows you the free things that have been given to us. Now, notice this. Look up at verse number 9. Eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Are you ready? You can't imagine well enough to process what God's prepared for you. You can't figure it out with your great intellect what the free stuff is. Because everything you come up with, he's done something greater. Exceedingly, abundantly beyond anything you could even ask or dare to think of. He's done a greater thing. So here's how you see that. You're going, man, I'm thinking of this God. He says, you're thinking short. That's not enough. You're thinking short. What's he want us to do? He wants us to entertain the idea that the mind of Christ will help us live in this world with the free stuff that God provided from that world. That's how we got, we got to live in the paid for. Well, I'm going to try real hard and I'll live just right. I'm telling you, I can't believe the desperation that enters into some people because they don't think they're living right when a problem happens. Well, I've got this problem. I get, well, you know, some of you got Job's friends. I mean, they just keep reincarnating or something. And they come to you and tell you how rotten you are. Well, that's happening in your life because you're such a sinner. Maybe you're one of Job's friends and you can see it in other people's lives. You know, if you just act right, it'll go better for you. I'm not here to say you shouldn't act right. I'm telling you the way to act right is to operate in the free stuff. And I know people are going to have all kinds of questions. They're going to say, really, Pastor? Is this what you want to preach? You want to preach about the free stuff? Yes. Why would you live your life expecting for God to take his pound of flesh or his quarter or whatever he needs to provide for you something that he did already? I'm telling you what, it's free. Here's your quote. You cannot receive by faith what God hasn't given by grace. Next one, please. There you go. I probably left out that other quote because I know it's in there, but not for today. You cannot receive by faith what God has not given freely by grace. You, you can't make it up. You say, well, I'm going to get it. I'm going to just press through. I always love it when people say that they're pounding on the gates of heaven. Can I just point out to you that if you're pounding on the gates of heaven, you haven't found the gate yet because it's open. I don't know what you're pounding on, but you ain't found the gate because it's open. It's open by Jesus Christ. Whatever you're pounding on ain't the gate. Now, you cannot receive by faith what God hasn't given freely. See, if you get your understanding in the wrong way, it'll become a peril to you because you say, well, I got to understand that God get, intended to give that to me. No, you don't. 
I've told this story about my inheritance from my grandfather. And it was just things I wanted, but he gave me five 1886 silver dollars that he won from John D. Rockefeller and the Standard Oil Company. And they were hermetically sealed in this little display case because Standard Oil came through Ovid, Colorado, testing the service orientation of their gas stations, of their, of their stations. So my grandpa had a, a Standard Oil station in Ovid, Colorado, right on the west edge of town. If you need to go look at it, you know, you have to look closely because it's somebody's house now. But it used to be a gas station right there. And I spent some of, my, some of my funnest time right there. My grandpa gave me these five 1886. Now, can you just go ahead and imagine that when you get, and they were, these were uncirculated, shiny 1886 silver dollars, okay? They were in this case. You know what the first thing is I did? I cut the case open. So now the uncirculated nature of my 1886 silver dollars, not so uncirculated. And I put them in a little thing that I bought some bubble gum in, a little, a little, little pouch with a, with a drawstring, and I carried them around for years in my pocket. I didn't understand the value, but they were still free. Now I'm 65 years old, and I understand the value. And you know what I'm going to do with them? I'm going to give them to my grandchildren. There's too many of them, so I think I'll cut them in half. (laughs) You understand that when you understand the value of something, it's not so that you can abuse it, it's so that you can pass it on. That makes sense? You can pass it on. Why? Because you understand the value of it. See, you can't receive by grace what God hadn't provided, or by faith, by what God hasn't given you by grace. Look at the 14th verse in this same passage. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. What are the things of the, of the Spirit of God? The free things. The natural man will actually say, God didn't intend to give this. Isn't there something, some way I can pay for this? God didn't intend to give this freely. Natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they're foolish to him, nor can he know them. You can't even understand it. God promises you, you can't understand the process of free stuff when you're a natural man. He says, because they are spiritually discerned. I love this language. It literally means divinely or non-physical. It literally implies the assistance of some sort of divine intervention. And then it says, you, this is spiritually discerned, literally to be to examined and be accurate by means of spiritual assistance. God will show you the value of the free stuff. You don't have the, the comprehension to even understand how awesome it is. God, through the Holy Spirit living in you, will show you the value of the free stuff. Here's your quote. You must refuse the worldly trap of natural understanding and press into the spiritual language of discerning. See, right now, salvation can, be, can seem really, really cheap. Well, just come to church and walk the aisle or say the things that, that they tell you to say, and you're in. And God will spend the rest of your life through the Holy Spirit explaining to you what is involved in the free stuff. But you get it through salvation. 
We've got to refuse this natural trap of understanding. Oh, yeah, I got it. You know, if you'll confess, let me point something out to you. Confession only confirms, it literally means to say the same thing, it only confirms what God has already done. Confession doesn't cause it to happen, it recognizes that it happened. So we're not going to take that natural understanding that says, well, all you got to do now is just confess these words. No, there's a belief system that comes inside of that. And so as we process this, I want you to understand something about the paid for stuff. And it's this, that God may frustrate the natural man with answers that are only empowered by grace. Only empowered by grace. What do I mean by that? He will give you an answer that doesn't make any natural sense. So for an example, when you have financial difficulties, the thing you don't want to hear from God is, give your last nickel away. Right? Y'all tracking with me? Well, I got all kinds of financial difficulties, and, and God says, I want you to give that away. I want you to give the last money you have away. And you go, that doesn't make any sense. He will frustrate the natural man by answers that require that grace that says, that's what God is asking me to do. By faith, I'm going to give this money away. You say, what, if, what happens if you just gave away all your stuff? All your stuff is from God. You're recognizing that He owns everything. He's just calling you to do something by pressing into the spiritual language of discerning. Amen? We're going to keep touching on this. I'm not exactly sure where we'll go next week, but we're going to keep touching on this because it's so strong in me that, that we need to, to, to talk about and process living in the free stuff. Literally living in what Jesus Christ has paid for. It's healing. It's prosperity. It's blessing, it's, it's grace, it's mercy. He's paid for all those things. Amen? Amen. Come on, music team, stand with me, would you please? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we are so grateful because we recognize that in the midst of the plan that you had for us is this massive expression of grace to us. Literally all we could ever need, all we could ever imagine, Father, is inside the paid for of Jesus Christ. So Father, as we sit today, as we stand today, as we process in this, we know that you're going to show us some things that live in the paid-for world. Some things, Father, that you designed specifically for us, specifically for a time like this. We're going to see, Father God, that in the midst of the physical structure of life that you paid for healing, in the middle of the emotional turmoil you paid for peace, in the middle of not ever being worthy enough for what you provided for us, you provided Jesus. You let Him stand in our place. You let Him be crucified in our place. You let Him be the free gift and the free world that we live in. We desire, Father, to live differently. Help us, Lord God, to see with our spiritual eyes what You provided for us 
through Jesus Christ. And it's in His name we pray, amen and amen.